So let's pray and then we'll jump into Ephesians chapter four. Sound good? Pray with me, okay? Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for this group. Lord, I am asking you for soft hearts and receptive ears. Lord, I can, I can ramble on and on and on. I can talk all morning. I could probably talk until, you know, it's bedtime tonight. I could just go and go and go and it'd be completely unprofitable. But God, I would ask that you would send your word forth to, the, to us, to these, your people, that you would send your word and that it wouldn't return into you void, that you would give increase uh, in our lives, that you would build us up, that you would encourage us, comfort us, God, that you would convict us of sin, Lord, that you would, that you would save souls this morning, that God, you would direct our lives this morning, that you would give us wisdom this morning. God, we need to hear from you. And, and I'm asking that you would just move me aside, that you would move our distractions aside, that you would move um, the, the cares of this world aside, and that you would allow us, give us grace to just focus lasered in, focus on your word and on meeting with you and hearing from you this morning. God, help us. We're a weak and foolish group. We are nothing. God, we just recognize and confess that to you, that we're nothing. And so, Lord, we need your help. God, we need you this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's jump right in. All right, you ready? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. We're going to talk about stealing. Somebody stole those shirts from me. Mm-mm. If you're in here and you stole those shirts, get ready to weep and repent, okay? <laughs> get ready. Uh, let's review before we jump into that. So last week, I'm going to talk over you. Last week, we talked about biblical behavior mattering. Your, your behavior being biblical matters, not because um, you're going to earn salvation or right standing before God. You've been made right before God through Jesus Christ's blood. He paid for all of your sin. So there's nothing you can do to impress or win a relationship with God. It's freely given to you. You understand? Your behavior does not matter because it's going to earn some right standing with God. That's not how it works. Your behavior does matter because it's obedience. If God tells you to do something or act a certain way or be a certain something, then you obey, right? Why? Because he's God and you're not. We also really emphasized uh, that your behavior matters because your behavior is about being someone. It's about being a son of God. It's about being conformed to the image of Jesus. Your behavior matters because it's about being who God wants you to be. And he made you to be his child and to be a Christian, which do you know what the word Christian means? Of course, some of you do. What's it mean? Little Christ. Okay, so he made you to be a little Christ, which means what? You need to look like Christ. That's why I'm growing my hair out. It's not really. But your behavior, yeah, you're screwed, bro. Brock is toast. <laughs> no, your behavior, obviously your physical appearance doesn't matter, but your, your physical behavior, it does, because the Bible says so. So if you don't submit to how the Bible says you're supposed to behave, that's on you. That make sense? Your biblical behavior does matter. So let's talk about some more biblical behavior. Bible lays out for us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. It says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. I would like to tell you a story. 
I didn't steal the shirts. <laughs> but when I was five, I walked into a Walmart that's now a Sutherland's in Raytown. And I was in the left side of the building and underneath one of those trays, you know, you have those big, like, not a tray, it's like a big bin. There was a styrofoam ball. And I grabbed it and I lusted after it. <laughs> I needed it. So you, so you know what I did with it? I stuck it under my shirt and I squeezed it so you couldn't tell I had it. And I walked right out the door. Got into my dad's uh, tan Toyota Tacoma. I sat in the back seat. You know what I did with it? I stuck it under the seat. And then I don't remember this part, but I got found out. My dad found out. So you know what I did? I had to take it back. And I was embarrassed. But the Walmart employees were like, okay, whatever. Like, it was a styrofoam ball that didn't even have any like the plastic coating on it. It was literally just like styrofoam padding, but I needed it, right? <laughs> so I brought it back. I did my best to repent as a five-year-old. Okay, let him that stole steal no more. You know what I haven't done since that day? Stolen a styrofoam ball. I haven't that I can recall. But here's, here's what Paul is saying here. Let's think about it like conceptually. Let's think about it in terms of he's talking to the body of Christ, right? He's telling us how to, as the body, how to act and behave. He's telling us what to do. What we see here is he's laying out a spectrum. You know what a spectrum is? Okay. He's laying out a spectrum. You've got him that stole. So on this side, you've got stealing. Some of you, everyone has stolen something. You say, I've never stolen anything. Well, you've probably stolen from a sibling. You've probably stolen something at school. You've probably stolen at your job. You're like, no, I would never do that. Well, when you clock in like way too early or you don't clock out on time, like you're actually stealing. Okay, so you've got those that steal. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got uh, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. On the other side of that spectrum, you got people who are giving to people who need. Now, some of you have never given anything to another person because you're so self-absorbed. So you've got this, sorry. So you've got this spectrum, stealing and giving. Now, the majority of us, here's, here's where we're going with this. The majority of us fall somewhere in, in the middle. You're not like an active thief. I knew a kid who was on the swim team I coached one time, and he was, what's it called, kleptomaniac? When you, this dude was a kleptomaniac. He literally felt like he had to steal things. And I remember the head coach of our team was, like, meeting with him and, and kind of filled me in. He was like, he stole from Walmart again. I was like, I've done that, right? <laughs> He's like, he stole from Walmart again, and he got kicked out, and it's a big deal. And this kid was always in trouble because he always felt like he had to steal. I have students now who tell me how they go to Quick Trip and steal the slushies. Like, what? Theft, what? Is, theft is so commonplace in society. It's, it's so easy. Some of you know how to go to Walmart and steal things. You've told me about it, okay? You've got that end of the spectrum. And then you've got the other end, but we fall somewhere in between. And, and here's kind of what I imagine that looks like. We may have a job 
maybe we have some kind of resource from our parents. We have an allowance. They give us money when we ask or we work. You go and you work hard for your money, whatever. You take this money and then you know what you do with it. Rather than looking for opportunity to, to use this money for ministry, what we naturally do, all of us, myself included, is we pursue ourselves and what we want. We pile that money up and we're like, I got money. I got a job. Now I can save this money up. And it's exciting. I remember my first uh, job where I had to like link my bank account to the company. Like I remember those days. It's exciting. I remember when I got the career I'm in now, when I got hired and I got my first salary job. I remember that first paycheck. I was like, wow, from student teaching to this, this is amazing, right? I remember those, those times. We naturally gravitate toward aiming all of our resource, our income, our pursuits, our work, our labor at us, right? Okay, so, so if you're the person who's stealing, stop it. Stop stealing. But maybe you're the person whose who's finances, resources, life, work, jobs, extracurricular activities, everything about your life, all of it is geared at you. And let me, let me submit to you that as a part, a part of the body of Christ, okay, here's why your behavior matters. Because you're like, you're like the bicep on the guy who only works out his arms, but has tiny calves. You know what I'm talking about? You know who I'm talking about. You roll up to the gym, which some of you have never done, okay? Got them. You roll up to the gym, or maybe it's at school. Okay, I'm not, I'm not coming for anybody. I'm just getting your attention, all right? So you go to school, or maybe it is at your workplace or a gym or wherever, and you see the guy who's jacked. I mean, he's, he's built up here. And then his legs are like my size. They're like rails. And you're like, how did he do that? There was a, I have a friend, I won't mention his name. I have a friend I used to play softball with and he was, he was putting on weight. He was trying to get built and big and strong and he was building muscle. He got up to 180 pounds and it was like pretty much all muscle in his upper half. And then his legs were like, like these chair legs. I mean, they were tiny, bro. Okay. If you are all about you and not about us with your resources, if you're not all about other people with your resources, I'm getting in your bank account, I'm getting personal. If you're not all about us with that, with the, you're not all about the Lord and what he wants to do with your money, you're like that bicep. All you care about is growing your bank account, you getting big, you getting impressive, you getting the promotions, you getting the recognition, you getting all of it does that make sense well that's dysfunctional for us if you're not giving your money to the lord's ministry i would submit you're missing out you might be really big and strong but the legs are weak and that body that has big biceps and tiny legs is pretty limited it's pretty limited, right? 
What can that guy with huge biceps do, but he has no legs? What can he do? You know what he could do? He could probably curl this pulpit, right? He could probably arm wrestle somebody and win. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's cool. Can he, like, run a race? Probably. But he's top-heavy. He'd probably, he'd probably tip over. Can he, okay, can he wrestle and win? You say, well, yeah, he's jacked. Okay, have you ever wrestled? You kind of need some, some loins girt about with strength, right? You kind of need some core strength. Okay, what are you doing if you're all about you? What are you doing to the body if you're just that bicep? You're kind of weakening us. But I don't care about your money, right? I don't see your money. Well, let's just be real clear. I'm not a, a staff member of this church. I, 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 don't, I don't have a salary here, right? I'm given a, a pretty, I'll just be real transparent. I'm given a, a housing allowance, a pretty minimal little stipend uh, for the hours I get to put in and, and the service I get to, to be part of with you guys. I don't get money for this, really. Okay, I'm thankful for it. But I don't see your money. You understand? I don't see your money. But my point is, think about if everyone in here got a job at some point and started get tithing and giving to the ministry here. What kind of opportunity and strength and ability will we have if we're giving and our heart and our mind is set to being generous and not self-absorbed? Think about it. I mean, some of you have pretty good jobs, right? Some of you will have pretty good jobs. Speaking of giving for the growth of the body, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, he says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. God lays it out for us right there. If you're grudgingly giving money, you have a job and you're grudgingly, ah, I'll give them a little bit here, a little bit there. That, okay. But how are we going to reap? We're going to reap sparingly. But if you're a cheerful giver, in other words, you get a job and you're like, I just got this huge paycheck. Whoa, I worked overtime. So, wow, I have this extra money. You know what I can do with it? I can give it because we just bought a building. I can give it. I can even, I can even like put together money for like a scholarship for this retreat we have coming up so that my lost friends could show up. Wow, look what I could do with this resource that I'm giving. And if you will, just with joy say, I'm going to give what I have. Guess what's going to happen? How are we going to reap? Bountifully. The Bible says, but not only that, God loveth a cheerful giver. Let me ask you this. Do you know why God loves a cheerful giver? You know why? Why does God love a cheerful giver? I could submit that one reason would be because that person, that cheerful giver, is being conformed to his image because God is a cheerful giver. God is a cheerful giver. You say, well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't tithe to me. Well, don't be foolish. Listen, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He gave everything for you and for me. He gave it all. He didn't hold anything back. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's willing to give it all. And he promises to provide financially and practically the things that you need. He says in Matthew 6, he says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you'll be taken care of. Guys, it's real simple and straightforward. He wants you to be a giver because he's a giver. Because he'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. He just wants you to have a heart that says it's not about me. It's about the Lord and it's about his ministry and his mission going forth. Does that make sense? So your jobs and your careers. We should talk about this because some of you are seniors. We talked about jobs this weekend a little bit. And this stood out to me. Your jobs and careers. As you consider how you're going to move forward, how you, are you going to get a job this year? Are you going to go to school somewhere to get a career somewhere? What's that look like? Okay, at some point, you have to stop playing things and you have to start working, right? And I'm not saying that's this year for you. Some of you need to keep playing because you're little. That's perfect. But at some point, you have to grow up. Seth grew up. This dude got his license and he's got a job. I mean... There it is. Write it down. This dude, this dude has taken steps, huge steps. I'm proud of those steps. That's like, wow. Just practically, he got a job. He got a car. He's got some income. He's got some resource. You know what he can do now? Practically, if he's willing to give, you know what he can do? He can go pick somebody up. He can bring them to church. He can buy them lunch. He can win a soul. You see that? Okay, but, but practically... Your jobs and your careers, they're going to be difficult. So no matter what, you're going to have some hardship in whatever job or career you have. You can pursue the best career. It's meant for you. You're made for this career path, whatever. It's still going to be hard and suck sometimes. Okay. So pick something that you kind of enjoy. Pick something you can be energized by and energized to do. But know that no matter what career path or job you get, the intention of it, the call on it, the purpose for it is to fund your life. Well, your life is to fund, your life is given to the ministry of reconciliation. So if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C, well, your job funds your ministry. Do you understand? Okay, so what is my job that funds my ministry? I'm a teacher. Okay, I'm a teacher. I have a salary position at Grandview High School. What does that do? That helps me to provide for my family, right? I have to buy a house. I have to have uh, cars and different resources to live. But it also funds my ministry. It allows me to do things like the retreats and the different things. It facilitates that for me. So here's your key point. Be giving. That involves money, sure. But what I'm aiming at is, is your heart. Be giving. Let your job and your career and your provision 
let it be um, let it be more than just a job and a career. Let it be something that allows you to participate in the ministry. And then you know what? Then giving, tithing, offering, that becomes way more meaningful. Nobody cares about your money. But if you have money that you can give, there's joy there. It's awesome to be part of moving the gospel all over the world. Your job is God's provision for your livelihood, and your livelihood, as I said, is given to the ministry of reconciliation. So know this, your jobs today, your careers tomorrow, they should be surrendered to the Lord. What path that is, sure, you have a say in that, but let the Lord lead and guide that, because maybe he wants to give you a better career than you thought you would have, and it'll provide for his ministry better than you thought you could. Consider it this way. What job does God want to bless you with so you can support your ministry? What career does he want you to pursue in order to do that same thing? Because you freshmen, bro, you're about to roll, roll through high school, and tomorrow it's going to be your senior year. And you're going to be like, well, guess I better figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Okay, start now. And don't start thinking, I want to do this. I want to do this. Start thinking, God, what do you want me to do? You'll be better for it. Okay, let's move to the next verse. Then we'll, uh, we'll begin to wrap this up and we'll do some memory verse stuff. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Talked about money. You guys are all bored out of your mind. Come back to me, okay? Come back. Come back. It says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I remember when Gavin... Gavin told me when he was in middle school, he's like sixth grade, I think. And this is kind of beautiful. I remember this very vividly. He was like, he's like, yeah, man, I've been cussing at school. And he was remorseful and he was like, he was burdened. He was like, yeah, I've been cussing at school. And I was like, dang, bro. And in my mind, I'm like, <clears throat> like, what? Dude? Like, okay, cool. You know, like, okay, this kid's beat up because he's cussing at school. Well, it was kind of a big deal. And it was certainly a big deal to him at that time, right? Because he knew, he knew that his words weren't good, right? And, and it was all good. There's grace for that, like whatever, right? He was just a little kid. He was a little chump, right? Now he's just a bigger chump, right? <laughs> but every single, I remember I started cussing when I was in fourth grade. It's just a time of confession. I was a heathen, bro. <laughs> I was stealing from Walmart. I was cussing on the playground. Man, I was dirty, dude. I, I was filthy. I got kicked off the bus. I got suspended from the bus because I was talking so much trash. I mean, I was nasty. Okay. So the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So again, we have this spectrum. You've got corruption. You've got me in fourth grade. And then you've got on the other side of that, uh, words that are edifying, words that are building people up, right? So again, some of you probably aren't just vile you're not just pouring out vileness right like sixth grade gavin i mean cussing school 
<laughs> I mean, is it is it corrupt? Well, probably. But is he over here like threatening people and like tearing people down with his words? I don't I don't imagine so. Right? He, like you, all of us, we find ourselves somewhere in the middle where we're not tearing people down, but it's not natural for us to to go and look for opportunities to build people up. You know what we do? We just talk about nothing all the time. We talk about nothing, but we're talking. What are we talking about? Nothing. It's just vanity. It's just garbage, right? If your words aren't building people up, you know what they might be doing? They might just be burdening people. You might just be talking and people feel like they have to listen to you. You might talk too much. And you might talk about stuff that doesn't matter and people are kind of tired of it. Maybe you feel like I talk too much. Man, I'm sorry, I know I do. But listen to what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Because we talk a lot, man. Think about it in terms of corruption versus edification. Okay, so corruption, when we say things that aren't building people up, when we say things that are um, really just vain and, and ultimately just burdensome to people, they mean nothing, well, that becomes corruption. So it might be a cuss word, but it might just be you going on and on and on about yourself. Okay, what does corruption do? Corruption slowly deteriorates, deteriorate, deteriorate, deteriorates, mm -hmm. deteriorates something through rotting and breaking it down. It's just slowly, gradually coming to nothing. Don't you just love when people come up to you and they talk all about themselves? Don't you just love that? When they're just all about themselves and their life and their friends and their job and their school and their thoughts and their ideas and they don't even know you're there. They're just talking. Don't you love that? Don't you just want them to just soak you up in their, don't you want them to, to saturate you and soak you up in their words? Don't you just love that? You're like, oh, and your breath is so awful. Just come on, keep talking to me. Yeah, lay it on. Yeah, keep talking about yourself. I care so much about you because everything is all about you, right? Nobody likes that. And it wears on your relationships, doesn't it? Don't you avoid people who only talk all about themselves? I do. It's probably not, probably to a fault. But what does edification do? Edification is slowly and gradually builds something through strengthening and encouraging it up strengthening it up encouraging it up right that's what words of edification do when you can go in and you can speak into a situation you can talk to someone talk with someone at your schools you could see they're down you could see they're out you could see they're outcasted you could see no one wants to talk to them nobody wants to approach them and you know those kids they're quiet and they usually sit on the sides they're in the on the perimeter of the room Okay. All the lively kids, they're hooping and hollering. They're taking all the attention in the room. But if you will just ignore the people who are just talking, 
you'll ignore them and you'll look around, you'll see people who need you to go be edifying with your words. And if you'll just say one, one thing to them, you know what you'll do? You'll win their heart instantly. Like it's super easy. People who don't have friends, you know what they want? They want you to get over yourself and be their friend. And you know what will happen if you invite them to anything? You can invite them to like Satan worship and they would roll up. You know why? Because they just want friendship. You have something obviously far superior to that. You have the God of you have the God who created all things, the all powerful. You have the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your friend. And you can you can connect that person who has no friends to the best friend in the world. It just requires you going up and building them up. It's real easy. That's what I'm looking forward to most. Going back to school, I just want to meet all the lonely kids. That's what I'm looking for. I want to find a lonely kid. I don't care about the popular kid. The kid who's really impressive, who can jump the highest, who can throw the furthest, the girl who's the prettiest, who has the most fashion, don't care. Doesn't matter at all. Zero percent matters. You know what matters? Souls. Let's go find the lonely kids. The kids that the world doesn't want. We'll take them. Won't you? Won't you take them? Well, what do you say? How do I know what I'm supposed to say? John, 12, John chapter 12, verse 42 and 50. A long passage here. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. This is Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. So these people... They believe on Jesus, but they're like, oh, I can't say that I believe. And I don't want to stand out and say that I believe on Jesus, right? Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? Because they'd be put out. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Okay, quick check. Where are you at? Are you willing to go up and talk to someone about Jesus? Or do you care more about what other people are going to think of you? Because you started your reputation this school year as, as the Jesus person. As the God, the God boy, God girl, the weirdo. Do you care what people think about you? If you do, grow up. Sorry. <laughs> if you love the praise of men more than obeying your father, Get over yourself. Get over it. Say, say the right words to the right people, right? But what are the right words? Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me. Wait, what? He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. Ooh, this is cool. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father hath Father uh, said unto me, so I speak. You know what you need to say to those people? You know what you need to say to the people who are lonely on the, on the perimeter of the room? 
in your classrooms, the people at your work, you need to say what God says. What's God say? He says a lot. One thing he says is that he loves you. And he loves them. And they don't know that. You say, I hear that every Sunday. They say the same thing every church service. Always talking about Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Yeah, most people don't hear that from a person. Think about this. Have you ever, have you ever been evangelized? Has anyone ever come up to you and preached the gospel to you? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Okay, less, far less than half. You know why? Because people don't do that. People don't do that. And you know why they came up and evangelized you? Because you were in this group. Or because you're a believer and you looked approachable and nice and easy to go up and talk to. Right? What about the kids who nobody wants to go up to? I mean, come on, man. Wide open door for us to go and speak what God says, that he loves them, that he died for them. All the memory verses. I mean, you got plenty of ammunition. Your words absolutely have an impact on people. They can be uh, judgment. They can be corruption. They can be burdensome. Or they can be liberty. They can be peace. They can be love. The determining factor ultimately is whether you and I are filled with and walking in the Spirit. You understand? If you're filled with the Spirit, you're walking in the Spirit because His Word is in you. It's, the Word of Christ is abiding in you richly. If that's you, you'll have the Word to give them. Because if the Word of God is in your heart, then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if God's Word is in here, then that's what's going to come out. And I'll know what to say to the person who I need to say it to. Right? I'll know what to say to them. If the Word of Christ is not dwelling richly in my heart, right? If I have not met with the Lord in the last month, Guess what you're not going to say? Things that build people up. I mean, it's real simple. Does that make sense? Now, if God's word is coming out of your, out of your mouth and it's getting into the ears of others, this is going to be encouraging, even, even when it's something that's hard. Like, I feel like I crushed some of the seniors' dreams this weekend because we talked about we talked about the future. We talked about making the decision for life. And I felt icky afterwards. I was like, oh, I feel like I just trampled all over their dreams. I don't like being the bad guy. But you know what? I just said what I had peace saying. I stand by it, and it hurt. But you know what? At some point, that will be encouraging. Why? Because I believe that's what the Lord is, has led. That's, it's principles from Scripture. So even when you have to say a hard thing like, hey, did you know that if you're not saved, you're going to burn in hell for eternity? Don't you understand that? If that concept comes up in your conversation, that's kind of an offensive thing. To tell someone they're going to burn in hell for eternity because of their sin. Have you ever told that to somebody? They aren't like, oh, man, thanks. Thanks. Take that. That was good. I feel lifted up. But you know what? When they reckon that, when they reckon that, and you have the answer for that, that is encouraging. 
So key point being, be encouraging. Be encouraging. Don't be burdensome. Don't be corrupt. Don't talk like the lost. Speak the word of God to people. Have a word that's going to encourage them. I got some verses here. Proverbs 12, 25, Proverbs 15, 23, 25, 11. They say, heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. You're going to go see the heart of men in your classroom stooped. People are bent over. They're sad. But a good word maketh it glad. Don't you know you have a good word? You have a lot of good words. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? You know what this season is? This is the season for salvation. Don't you know how good it's going to be when you speak truth to someone and they get saved? That is really good. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's beautiful when you have the right word to place into someone's life. And it's a good thing. When someone speaks into your life, a word of encouragement that you need, that stands out to me. And people who I don't like regularly communicate with, they come up and they say something encouraging. Oh, that's like, I need that. We need that, don't we? You need to be the person who says those things. So let's conclude here. Behavior, what you do, what you say, how you act is about being who you are supposed to be, a Christian or a little Christ. You and I are called to look like and live like Christ. And this is where blessing is realized. Okay, you can't earn God's blessing. Like you can't earn something that God has already freely offered and given and paid for for you. You can't earn that. However, because blessing is simply being with God, being with God, well, when we when we will turn ourselves to God, we realize that blessing. But if we're turned away, we're posturing ourselves against God through selfishness, through corrupt speech, we aren't realizing these blessings, the blessing that it is to be with God. You're not realizing that. If you're all about yourself, guess what you're not enjoying? Fellowship with Christ. You know why? Because you're posturing yourself away from him. This is how Christians get to a place where they feel deeply depressed, anxious, and miserable. You feel lonely. You feel like you're on the run. Why? Because you are. Because you're not submitting and surrendering to Christ. His blessings, and he is still there and available to us. He's readily available. He's ready to forgive. He wants to embrace you. He wants to be with you and walk with you. He hasn't gone anywhere. But our negligence and our ignorance of God prevents us from enjoying him. Does that make sense? All it requires to realize the blessings of God is biblical behavior, which means you simply turn your heart, your mind, your mouth, and your life toward God. It's real simple. Some of you didn't listen to a word I just said. And that's sad. Not because I'm offended. 
but because God has abundant life. He has, he has the opportunity to use you in the lives of others and you don't want it. And that's going to make you miserable. But here's the thing. Here's why I take it personal. Because you're part of the body of Christ. So when you're miserable, when you're hurting, guess who else is hurting? We are. I don't know if you realize this, but when you guys are struggling, that hurts. That hurts us. I can speak for the leaders. That hurts. I, I am very burdened. Like, I think there's a spectrum of students in here. So if I could just, you know, done with the message, if I could just speak to you as your friend, as your pastor, there's a spectrum of students in here, right? There's people who are on fire for God. There's people who don't like God, don't want to have anything to do with them. Your parents make you come here or you come here just to hang with your friends, whatever. And there's people who are kind of in the middle, right? There's a spectrum. The people who are excited, who want to be used by God, you know what that does to my heart? It excites me. That gets me I want to focus as much energy as I can toward that group. If the whole group was that way, I'd probably just die. Okay. Then there's the group that's kind of in between. They're undecided. You don't actually know if you want to follow Christ or not. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you're figuring this thing out. Maybe you're new to this class, whatever it is. We are praying that you would just make that decision. Okay decision simple i'm just gonna follow christ but then there's some of you who are who are opposing the movement of this class and you and you sit inside yourself and you don't respond and you're just internalizing you're, you're criticizing you're skeptical you won't submit whatever it is and we can feel it and it's heavy. And I feel that sometimes more than I feel the kids who are really pumped up and ready to go. And that, bro, that hurts. So at the end of the school year, every year at the end of the school year, you know what I do? I just cry like a baby. You know why? Sometimes it's because I'm just going to miss the seniors. I'm just like, oh, man, those, I love those people. and I'm going to miss them. You know why? You know why we, a lot of the time, it's because I think about the failure, the failure to launch spiritually, and I'm burdened by that. And you know what I do? I'm just being honest. I question myself, like, what could I have done differently? I take, I take your decisions personally. How could I have been a different friend, a different pastor? How could I have led them differently? And the leaders in here have similar thoughts. What could we have done differently? How could we have spoken to them? How could we have reached them? And I just say that just to communicate to you that your decisions impact us, not just you. You're not in this alone, just like I'm not in this alone. Christina Murphy is really pumped up and excited about evangelism. She wants to see people saved and she wants to be used by God. Guess what she needs? All of us. No one is riding solo. And we can't do it with just five of us. We need all of us because we are the body of Christ. Does that make sense? I'm going to pray. But I'm praying that your hearts are soft to receive this. That all we want is to serve the Lord with you.
And if you have questions, you're working through things, humble yourself and open up the conversation. Okay? Open up the conversation. And as we go into the worship service, man, I need to hear from the Lord. There's things I know that are on my heart that I need to lay down at his feet. And maybe, maybe that's true of you too. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I feel, um, I don't know how I feel. But God, I do know that um, I know that there is a decision to make among the student students in this room that that we're not looking for, you know, like Joel was talking about this weekend, some religious experience that will build godly character. We know that that's not how that works. So some religious experience in this room, some religious experience throughout the course of this school year, that is not going to conform us to your image. What's going to conform us to your image is us simply surrendering and submitting to your will. God, would you help us? Would you help us to just humble ourselves? Help us to get over us. And, and help us to not be able to get over you and how good you are. Don't let us get over that. Keep us in this place of desperate dependence, desperate trust that you'll make us fruitful that god this ministry won't be about any one particular person and that we won't view it that way but that we see this ministry as our as our team this is our family and we don't always like our family we don't always get along with our family but it's family and we have one mission and our father is the one who's leading us and telling us what to do and how to act and, and where to go and, and what to say. God, help us to have that perspective. God, make, make these students fruitful for your glory. God, make the adults in here fruitful. Give us open doors and opportunities to find the lonely people in our workplaces, to find the people who need a, a, a good word from you. Even the moms who, who stay at home and maybe feel like the children are the only people they can speak good words to. God, give them those open doors and, and, and give them capacity and, and eyes to see other open doors in the neighborhoods and, and wherever you see fit for each of us. Man, Lord, God, give, us, give us clarity. Open our eyes. But we ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we got about mm, five minutes. So if you hit the next slide. So these are the memory verses, okay? 116, 323, 58, and 5.19. So let's take five minutes. See if you can't get 5.19 figured out. I think 5.19 is harder than the other ones. That's what I hear. But let's take a few minutes and work on that because the big showdown is right near our retreat.
it's near, I think it's after the retreat, but let's do it. Kirsten, Joy, we're leaving. Everyone look at Joy back there and say hi. She can't see that, but everyone just waved at you. And many people are saying hi, Joy. Everybody look, there's Kirsten back there. Hey, everyone's saying hey and waving at you. Cool mountaintop in the back. Yes. All right, girls, we'll see you when we see you, hopefully soon.